Are you ready to get the support you need for your author career and life? Join international indie bestseller Angela J. Ford and fantasy author Stephanie Wabwa as they talk all things writing, publishing, and the real life of an indie author. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Living your best indie life starts here. Hello and welcome to episode 23. Today we have an amazing author who lives in Hong Kong, which we will interview all about series and different genres. But before we get started, Stephanie, how are you? What is new in your world? Hey, Angela. I'm actually really excited for this interview just because I am a person who will soon be in that kind of that same little space where you are writing series and you're also writing in different genres. So I think it's just awesome because right now that that's what I'm working on, right? So I have there are different subgenres. It's all fantasy, but different subgenres of fantasy. And I've it's interesting because the author we're interviewing, they write series. They don't really have standalones. And I thought I could do standalones. And every time once I start plotting, I'm like, oh, this is a series. And I turn it, I turn it into a series. And so it's that's really fun because that's actually what I'm working on right now. Um they are the beginnings to different series. And um, I saw a masterclass by David Baldacci and he talked about how at any given time, you know, he's a prolific novelist. And what he does is at any given time, he will release a novel in that year from a different series. He as well, he writes, um, he writes mystery and thrillers and suspense in, in those genres, but he writes multiple series at the same time. And so like he, you know, he kind of jokes where he says his readers never know what to expect from him because he will release, you know, up to three books a year and they never know which series it'll come from. So it's like one thing like he can just like surprise his readers with. And so I think that's super awesome because that's kind of what I have going on right now where I'm writing I'm writing like the interims of different stories. And so throughout 2020, readers will never know which story they'll get. <laughs> and so that's just been really fun working on Seraphim Resistance series, working on the, um, the Mercenary and the Aryan Empire, and also working on the Scarlet Thread series. So that's what's just been keeping me, you know, busy with all the things, typing fingers. Um, that's what I've got going on. But what about you? Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun and just really makes me think of the fact that I have two series that I've not completed yet. Woohoo! Um, I'm also working on, I guess, diversifying a little bit. I'm really excited because for a long time I've been wanting to work on a serial mm. and I've been just debating what to do because I like writing short stories because it just challenges my brain in a different way because you only have so much time to get from point A and point B. And so I like taking one character and doing that. And last year, back in 2019, I was accepted into the Once Upon an Enchanted Forest anthology. And I wrote a short story for that. And after six months, they were like, the rights go back to you. And you know, you can republish the book if you would like. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead and republish it. And I have an illustrator, same one you have, um, who will work on the series cover for that. But I was thinking about it. And I was like, I think what I can do is actually turn this into a serial. Mm. And one of the requirements for being in the anthologies, I had to write it more like a fantasy romance, which I don't really write fantasy romance. Like I have romance inside my books, which is great. I love writing that. 
but I haven't written anything that has a larger romance theme. And of course, since I write epic fantasy, of course, there's going to be like the fantasy element. So there will be something big picture going on along with the relationship and all of that. But I was thinking, I really like having different couples in my stories and just kind of going into the minds of different characters. And so I think what I'll do for 2020 is just have a serial that is fantasy romance and really dig into that. It's going to be my fun series. I'm just going to have fun with it. I'm going to write whatever I want and I hope people will love it because it's just going to be my fun project. And so that is what I'm working on for this month. That just sounds like a lot of fun. I feel like every author needs to have that, like that one passion project where they're like, I'm just having fun with this. Um, If no one else enjoys this, I do, (laughs) you know? And so I'm excited to read them. Um, You know, it's interesting because I can always knock, you know, romance authors. Oh my gosh, it's so cheesy and they get all the money but I eat it up all the time. <laughs> like I'll read a book and I'm like, okay, so are they going to be together? Are they not? Like I always find myself paying attention to the romance subplots. So as much as I can like tease or make fun of any type of romance, I am suckered by it all the time. I love a good romance. <laughs> so I'm really excited for them because it's fantasy romance and I just, I can't get away from reading fantasy. I love it too much. Like a book has to have those supernatural elements for me to be interested. So I'm really excited for you to get this series going. Yeah. And you know, full disclosure, romance is cheesy. Like it was just very eye-opening to me after um, I was in a relationship for two years and then I got married last year. And I was like, you know, sometimes like the things that I feel and like sometimes the things that we say and do are super cheesy. And I was like, I think it just is what it is. And it's kind of hard to write it in a way where it's not, but it's just the things that gets your blood pumping and stuff. And I think after getting married, I'm more excited about writing romance because I feel like I've been through the full cycle now. And you know, I can take some of my experience, but I like kind of like imagining like the different what ifs and really bringing that to life. So anyway, it'll it'll be a fun one. (laughs) Shut me up before I go on. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so we can dig into this week's interview with Jordan Rivet, which we'll talk a lot more about series. And, you know, if you want to dig into um, multiple genres or subgenres within series and the best way to handle it. Before we get started talking on today's topic, here's a word about our Indie Author Lifestyle Workshops. Workshops are designed for career authors who want in-depth training on certain topics to help you take your career to the next level. Join us each month to dig into writing, publishing, and book marketing strategies for only $27.99. Plus, get access to the exclusive community. Find out our topic of the month by going to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash workshops. Now, back to our episode. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. We are on episode 23, and today we have a very special guest. I will introduce her, and then we will get right into the interview. 
Jordan Rivett is an American author of swashbuckling YA fantasy and post-apocalypse science fiction. She has written 16 novels, including Duel of Fire, The Water Might Thief, and Wake Me After the Apocalypse. Originally from Arizona, Jordan lives in Hong Kong with her husband. Jordan, welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have you on and thank you for calling in. I know it's super late where you are because <laughs> of the oh, time difference. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to become an author. Okay. Well, uh, I was not somebody who always planned to be a writer when I was a kid. I always loved reading. Um, I imagined that I was going to be an editor and work in book publishing. Um, but then when I moved to Hong Kong when I was 22, uh, I had all of these new experiences and I started writing just to process being in a new place for the first time and having uprooted my life. Uh, I moved here for my husband and we'd been in a long distance relationship. Um, and so there were a lot of new things and feelings and just like, there's sort of a lot of noise that I needed to process. So I started writing. And then in the process of writing a travel memoir set in Hong Kong, I realized that I just really enjoyed writing full stop. Um, so I eventually tried a couple of different types of writing and worked my way around to writing the books that I really enjoy reading and that's science fiction and fantasy. So it took me, took me sort of a, on a roundabout path to get back to writing the books that I always read as a kid anyway. That is super cool. And so I wanted to ask, what did you start writing first? Was it young adult fantasy or was it sci-fi? Um, my first series is post-apocalyptic adventure set at sea. So it, the main character is 22, but it's written in kind of that YA dystopian style. Um, so it was a story that I felt, I felt had the kind of vibe of, of YA books because that was something that I was reading a lot with a slightly older character. Uh, I think I eventually learned that it was a lot easier to just write YA style with YA age characters and it was easier to find a market in that way. So I kind of eventually moved into just writing straight YA, um, but I think of it as kind of YA for adults, but I think a lot of my readers are, are adults anyway. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that's really cool. Um, we hear, of, like one of the things we hear a lot of the podcasts is that people talk about how they start writing the books that they want to read, but most of the time people are writing in just one genre. So I like that you're doing fantasy, science fiction, and you have the post-apocalyptic what kind of led you to dive into multiple genres, I guess, and do more of a, a mashup? Mm -hmm. um, I always knew that I wanted to write more than one genre under a single name. Um, I think that science fiction and fantasy has so much crossover. There are a lot of people who like to read both. And I felt that I wouldn't enjoy being stuck in one very narrow subgenre for book after book after book. I know some people do that really well and do it really successfully, but for me, I just wanted the chance to try different things and to kind of play around a little bit more. Uh, I usually am working on two books at once and quite often there'll be two books in a different series so that I can kind of let one sit for a while and rest and then work on something else and come back to it with fresh eyes. So I think that being in multiple genres helps with that. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's probably the best option if you're trying to like make the absolute most amount of money possible because it does mean splitting your audience a little bit, but that's okay for me. I, I, I feel I'm doing fine, you know, even if my audience is a little bit split because it keeps me excited about the actual writing. 
No, that's really cool. So did you find that was an intentional decision though? Because we've had this actual conversation with other writers where they've chosen to go with a pen name strictly because they want to make sure there is that difference. And so like their audience isn't confused. They're not, you know, commingled, so to speak. But whereas, you know, with what you're doing, you're writing to, you're writing multi-genres under the same name. And I know that going on in the future I would be doing the same thing multi-genres but same name so did you find that there was um an intentional decision behind that knowing that could probably skew you know profitability yeah I felt that I would not be able to maintain the audience if I tried to split the names too much and I also felt that going forward I'm hoping that I'll have you know decades worth of career ahead of me and I, I feel that if I was always splitting my name too finally, it would just get very, very complicated and I would, would have way, way too many branches um, later on down the line. So I felt it was simpler to keep everything sci-fi fantasy all under a single umbrella. Um, and then I guess my readers would just get used to that. Um, my first series wasn't nearly as successful as my second series has been. So a lot of it was a completely new and fresh audience because I didn't have a lot of readers switching over to fantasy the first time that I made that jump. And then the second time I made that jump was after I'd done two fantasy series, two completed fantasy series. And then I released Wake Me After the Apocalypse. Again, not really thinking it would sell because my first post-apoc series hadn't sold and now it is done well by, by my standards. Um, so I'm seeing some interesting cross-pollination cross of the books the further, the further I get into my career. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because I love reading in all kinds of subgenres. And so I don't necessarily just stick to fantasy. Like I love thrillers and I love suspense and mystery. And so it makes a lot of sense that you, you'll find the readers that really like the different genres that you're writing in because they like your writing, they'll follow you around. But I definitely think that's really brave and really awesome and takes some exploration to, to figure that out. So with your audiences, do you, do you segment them a little bit just depending on what they're most interested in or how do you handle that? Um, I have different segments in my mailing list, for example, um, but quite often I'll send an update to everybody and I'll try and include a little something for both groups. So I might say, here's a cover reveal for my new post-apoc book, but by the way, here is the release date for the next fantasy or something like that. So I kind of try and keep people informed about both sides of it, knowing that some people will only want to read one genre or will only even want to read one series. Um, so I try, and, I try and give a little bit of something for everybody. No, that's cool. And with writing multi-genres, how do you balance that though? Because I know some would say that that's incredibly difficult. Like the fact that you write two books at a time already, some of our listeners are like, I could not do that. That's so much work. How do you do that? Um, so for someone who is probably in the same shoes and they're trying to manage that, um, what would you give it, like, what would you advise them how to manage multi-genres? Um, I would definitely say try and only work on one draft at a time. Um, so I will do, I, I tend to do lots of faster drafts. I know some people can do one rough draft and then one edit and they're done. I will usually do five drafts for any given book. So I will do one quick rough draft and then do an edit of a different book and then go back and do the second draft of that book and then go back and do another edit of that book. I think that if I was trying to keep two stories straight in my head at the same moment, I don't think that would be effective for me. I don't think I could work on two different books in one day. But I think as long as it was 
a three or four week period for a draft and then you're done, you're probably sick of the book at that point anyway, put it aside, then switch back to the other book, work on it for three or four weeks. And again, put it aside, you're probably ready for a break anyway. Um, I think that keeping it segmented like that works for me. Yeah, I think that's really smart. And that's actually something I may try because I've been just thinking about how to write more than one series at a time. And that, that sounds like a good way to, to balance it. So with the writing, do you kind of outline or plot out your, your story so that when you do sit down for that three or however long week period to write, that it's just very easy and very quick, or does it take you a little bit longer? Uh, I do outline now. I think that I've become more and more of an outliner the more that I've the more that I've written. I used to have a really basic three act structure, knowing roughly where the where a couple of major turning points would be. And now I, I'm much more detailed in my outlines. Uh, I love the save the cat method. So for a long time, I was using the save the cat screenplay book by Blake Blake Snyder, and using the storyboard, the twenty part storyboard that he has in that book. Um, and there's more recently been a book called Save the Cat Writes a Novel by Jessica Brody that takes that format and really breaks it down for novelists. And it's a game changer for me. So I highly recommend it to anybody who wants to outline um, that it really helps for me to identify where the big turning points are. And I think the specific reason for that is that if I don't, even if I have a rough sense of the arc of the story, I will not have the first big turning point soon enough and I'll have a slow like meandering start as we kind of get to know the characters. So I think forcing myself to know that turning point before I sit down to write is very useful. Um, so I will do an outline, then a quick rough draft, sort of a NaNoWriMo style, I'll write as quickly as possible just to keep up the momentum. Um, and then I will do a much more detailed edit on the second draft. The third draft will be more about polishing and character development and expanding things. Fourth draft will be polishing more. Fifth draft will be polishing more. At some point in there, I'll get feedback from beta readers if, if I can. If I can. Um, and so I just find that going over and over, like trying not to worry about the sentence level stuff until the very end, for me, that is, that is useful. And when it comes to, okay, so you get your outline together but you're writing multiple things at the same time. So how do you keep yourself from, I guess, overlapping the two worlds and the two storylines and making sure that you are actually, plot, you know, you're getting through that plot, through that story arc and hitting all of, you know, hitting all of the main points in the stories without basically shortchanging the other? Mm -hmm. um, I think that the important thing is to really be fully in the world of each book while I'm working on it. So I don't think, I try not to think about the other book at all while I'm working on that book. So all of the notes, um, all of the, all of the outlines, everything that's in front of me will all be related only to that world. Uh, if it's a later book in the series, I will often read the, the two books leading up to it or the one book leading up to it right before I get into the really detailed work. Um, so I think that just trying to be fully immersed into that story world is important. Uh, even if it's, even if I'm not working on two books, I, I think that's important to just sort of get into the mindset of the story. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So where would you say that you pull a lot of your inspirations from? Because you've, you've already written and published 16 books, which is awesome. And you seem to show no signs whatsoever slowing down. So where, where are you kind of getting this inspiration from? Uh, I feel like 
I get the best ideas while I'm working on something else. So something that I'm either writing or something I'm reading. Also, of course, a lot of inspiration comes from reading other people's work will spark some connection to whatever idea I had been considering already. Uh, usually before I sit down to outline or write anything, I will have already been thinking about the idea for potentially months while I was working on other things, not actively thinking about it, but just kind of keeping it in the back of my head, kind of cooking. I think of it as, as the, the idea just has to cook for a while before I can even sit down and write anything. Um, so that can be sparked from anything. It can be my writing, it can be my reading, and then it of course can be things that I see or people I interact with out in the world. Um, Hong Kong is a very interesting and vibrant place. There are all kinds of people from all over the world who live here and it's really like living in the future because there are big skyscrapers and walkways connecting the buildings. You don't even have to touch the ground to get from point A to point B sometimes. So that all helps I think in, in just sort of providing lots of potential I guess, fodder for, for the imagination. When it comes to writing your stories, how much of how much inspiration do you take from just where you are, though? Because I always found that I remember, like, I stumbled upon your books first. And then, you know, we were we ended up in the same author group. And then, like, I found out that you were in Hong Kong. And I thought that was the coolest, you know, little me in America. I was like, oh, that is so cool. She's in Hong Kong. You know, and so I've always wanted to know, like, how much of that lifestyle just, like, fuses into your stories? Yeah, um, I don't, I haven't ever written a book set in Hong Kong. So I'm not specifically writing about the Hong Kong experience, but I think that the experience of being out of place, the experience of moving away from your normal world and interacting in a new, totally new scenario is one that I find very stimulating. And I think that it's something that you see in a lot of books, whether they're fantasy or science fiction, especially in the young adult genre, because there's so much of a coming of age theme um, that when you have the experience of being dropped into a completely new situation, that it challenges you in ways that you don't expect. And it introduces you to people that believe and act completely and totally differently than everybody that you've ever met before. Um, and not just Hong Kong Chinese people, but also lots of British people and French people and Australians and New Zealanders, lots of people come to live here. So I think that just having that experience of trying to figure out how to relate to people and trying to figure out where you fit in, in a new place, those core feelings, I think can be applied in a fantasy or science fiction context. So I think that that the experience that, that I think would not be the same if I had always lived here, if I had grown up here, it would not be special to me in the same way I think that it is now. Yeah, I think that helps a lot too with writing. I think just the transformation of going somewhere else or like traveling or living or moving across the the world like you did. It's just it just is huge for writing and really just helps stimulate our brains and get into the minds of our our characters. So speaking of characters, I want to dive into that a little bit and talk about uh, character development and how you really kind of craft your characters and dig into things from their perspectives. And I'm coming from the point of view where I haven't read any of your books yet. So yeah, just go for it. How, how do you come up with your characters and their perspectives? Yeah, um, for me, I don't usually feel that I have a strong sense of my characters until I get a couple of drafts into the story. So for me, it's very important to 
sort of feel my way through the way that they are handling the situation that I've put them in. So I, I think that this situation I might have a really rough sense. Uh, so for example, in Duel of Fire, which is my big, the fantasy series that basically was my, my tipping point series. So probably my most popular book of all. Um, it's a really serious, focused character um, who's very dedicated to, in her case, it's professional dueling. So she's, she's a sword fighter and that is, that is her thing. And she's very focused on it. And then I throw this very serious young woman up against the charismatic, like indolent kind of lazy prince who doesn't really want to take anything at all seriously. And then just having those two basic broad types knock against each other in a really specific fantasy situation allowed me to sort of grow their characters from that point. So I think that characters have to develop organically to a certain extent. Uh, once I've done a little bit of work, usually after I've written certainly a couple of chapters, sometimes even a full rough draft, um, I will sometimes try and figure out the Myers-Briggs personality for the characters to kind of help me understand them a little bit more thoroughly. Uh, in, in other cases, I've tried just specifically to write characters who are potentially just very different from the other main characters that I've written or as different as possible from myself as a person. Of course, my own personality will come out in characters in different ways, but I've never written a main character who was intentionally me. Uh, I don't think that I'm actually very interesting in that sense, so I don't think that that would make a really, really good fantasy book. But of course, I can see the, like, the ways in which over time my, my personality will come out in the characters. Um, but yeah, so I try, I try and really put them through their paces, put them through the situation, and from that, learn more about them. And then sometimes that means going back to the beginning of the draft and changing a little bit of the way they are when we get to, when we first meet them, so that the actual arc makes makes a more satisfying journey so, so it's all very organic i think so in that sense do you start the process then with i wouldn't say like not knowing anything but do you go into your draft like just with like an initial idea and then you develop as you go or do you first sit down and you kind of sketch out a few things that you want to know about them and you let that develop organically Yes, that's correct. The second one that it, I will have, have jotted down a couple of things. So a basic sense of the type of person that I want to write about, or sometimes it's the particular voice. If there's a, a particular way of speaking that is coming out really naturally, then I will, I will use that. I, I personally couldn't sit down with nothing and start writing from nothing. But I, once I have a really, really basic starting point, uh, kind of like a seed, then letting it grow a little bit, but I do need to start with some kind of seed. Uh, so actually in my very first book, it was, uh, I, I tried to think of who was the person who was most different from myself in my life. And I came up with my brother. Uh, and so I wrote a, a female version of my brother, who of course now, <laughs> like, he, the, that character, her, her name is Esther. She's a mechanic on a cruise ship, a post-apocalyptic cruise ship. Um, and my brother is an auto mechanic in Arizona. Um, and if you go and read her, she does not, she's not him now as she's developed because I put her through the situation then of course wrote her in my own voice a lot, but it helped to start with who's the most different personality from my own. And, and that's who I came up with. I don't know if he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Actually, that's really cool. And actually a smart takeaway is like kind of basing it off of a person and then kind of having it change as they go through the situations. Cause I'm finding that 
with my character develop, character development, um, I'm seeing the way the characters react to the situations, and that really kind of highlights who they are. And I mean, there are situations that, you know, we're never going to find ourselves in. So it's just fun to write like that. But that's awesome. So if you sounds have like using a long character info sheet, I know I've seen them, I've seen them before, but I haven't ever tried using one of those where it's pages and pages of, of information about the characters. Have you tried doing that before? Oh no, I'm a pantser. Oh no, no, that would never happen. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't know what to say. I, I, really, I have done that before. So interestingly enough, because I am, I am a plotter, like to the heart and core, right? And so interestingly enough, my first dress, like years ago, I would have like pages <laughs> of information about my characters. And then it's funny because I found myself, I would start drafting and regardless of what I knew about them beforehand, things changed. And I was like, you're not supposed to be this way. Like you're supposed to be what I came up with before I started writing. And so I found that now, cause I've allowed just a little bit of panting to kind of creep in there. So I've allowed myself to kind of do what you do, which I, I like, I know the initial information about them. And I do still like garner a bit of extra information um, outward appearances things that happened in the past things about their family that sort of thing and then now I'm finding that I can't start until I know the pivotal moment right so then I can and I need to know what led up to that so then I can start the story from there and like kick off from there because I realized that when I go in without knowing that like I know all about you know what they look like but I have no idea what brought them here <laughs> that does nothing for me so I used to do those long sheets but now I'm like oh you're not serving me <laughs> yeah I think I would just freeze up if I if I tried to do that it wouldn't, it wouldn't work for me yeah I just feel like it's just not organic like when when you go on a date or like you're trying to get to know someone for the first time you don't pull out this sheet of paper and go okay all right what's your favorite color what restaurant do you love going to like you just don't do that and so it just feels inorganic to do that for writing but I, I like like I'm trying to move out of my pants or situation into more of a a little bit more of a plotter but it's good to like know things up front and then allow yourself to go with the flow as you're writing which one of the things that I like that you said is that you do so many drafts and I feel like that really allows you to get to know your characters and the world and the story and really polish your books before you publish them so how long does it take you to complete a book if you're going through that many iterations mm. yeah um I think probably Four to six months. Um, I'm a full-time writer. I do eight hours a day, five days a week. Um, probably four to six months, depending on whether I'm working on something else at the same time. So I do roughly three books a year. Um, and my books are in the, most of them are in the 80 to 100,000 word range. I've had a couple that are over 100,000, a couple that are under 80. Um, but generally that's, that's my sweet spot. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really impressive. And I wanted to know, so I've noticed that every, all of the different, um, the different genres you've written, all the books that you've written, they're all series. And so one, I wanted to know, why do you prefer series over standalones? And then I have to that question. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of it is that is what I read. So I think for me, it's just easiest to write the kind of books that I, that I love to read. And, and in particular, the big fantasy series, they're always in this, in this series. Like I've read a couple really great fantasy standalones, but 
it feels like in the natural way to tell a story to me. Um, and I think the same is true of a lot of the YA dystopian series, certainly and a lot of science fiction series as well. Um, so part of it is because it just feels right. Uh, part of it is because it's easier to turn a profit if I can basically put everything that I make on book one back into advertising book one over and over again. And then hopefully people will go on to read the rest of the series. Uh, so that's part of it as well. Um, my book that just came out on Friday, I'm not sure what day this comes out, but on, on February 21st um, is a little bit different in that sense. Uh, it's the sequel to Wake Me After the Apocalypse. And that was a book that I wrote uh, a year and a half ago. And that's usually much, that's a much bigger gap than I normally have between releasing books in a series. Um, it is a book that works as a standalone. And when I originally wrote it, I wasn't sure if it was going to sell or not. So I had an idea for the sequel and actually it's a trilogy. So I had an idea for the other two books, but it works on, on its own. So I decided to release it and see if it was going to sell or not. And then if it did, I would go ahead and write the later books in the series which normally I don't do. Normally it's a, a linear arc. And I know that I'm gonna do, usually by the time I have a rough draft of book one done, I know how many books the series is gonna be. So with that one, it's been unusual to, to go back later and write a book that I may or may not have written if people hadn't actually read it. So it's only been out for a couple of days. So I don't know if it's been a mistake or not, but I'm happy with the book as it was. So uh, I think that probably just sticking with series is the, is the right choice for me personally. Yeah. And then, okay. So sticking with series, how do you plan your series? Because some of them are a trilogy. Some of them are like five books. So how do you go ahead and actually determine this is how many books will be in this series? Yeah. Usually it's after I've done the rough, the first rough draft of the first book, because I do think that in particular with the first time that you're, you're using new characters, you learn a lot and you can go in different directions than you, than you initially anticipated when you first started thinking about the idea. So once I've done at least the rough draft of the first book, and I know whether or not I really have something, at that point, I will usually write a couple of lines, maybe a paragraph or two for each book to kind of iron out roughly where the series is gonna go and how many books I think it's going to be. Um, so I, I feel most comfortable with trilogies, I think, but with the Steel and Fire series, it was even when I had a really short rough draft for the first book, uh, I was able to figure out roughly where the characters were, were going to be for, for five books in total. Um, so I just, I just went with that plan and, and didn't, didn't change from that plan after I had that first book. Um, but I do think that the first book is necessary because you might actually get a lot further into your idea than you realize, and you might realize, actually, this is only, this is a duology. This is not going to stretch for, for four books or five books. So, yeah, I think that I need to be in the world for a while before I know for sure how the pacing of the, of the story works. That's a good call. And one of the quick things that I always get stuck with with writing series is that I get tired of my characters. Like they'll be in really fun situations and, you know, they have the character growth and they're developing, they're learning and growing and I get tired of them and I want to write new characters. So do you ever have that problem? And what do you do to, I guess, keep your stories interesting and keep yourself engaged in them, especially if you have the same characters they are just progressing over so many different books? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think that, well, part of it is working on different books at the same time. That helps with that, um, as, as we already discussed. But I think that the other thing that helps is that 
especially in fantasy, it's usually one big, huge overarching story and there's a huge battle at the end of it with smaller battles along the way. So the, the finite nature of the story, I think, I think helps to keep it fresh. Uh, I know that some people are really good at writing continuing adventures where there's, you know, a monster of the week or there's just an episode and then another episode and another episode. I would find that very difficult. I don't know how people do that because you kind of, usually there's a, a big, huge evil at the end that they have to defeat or discovery that they have to make. And usually there's a romantic arc in my books. I like a good romantic subplot. And then once they get together, there's, it's harder to keep it going after that point without just causing problems for them. Like, it's kind of like when you watch a TV series that as soon as the will they won't they couple gets together, it becomes boring. But that's, that's the worry that I have. So I feel that I have to keep it, keep it contained and finite. Um, and I know that some, I know a lot of authors don't have this problem, but this is, this is a problem for me. Yeah, that's definitely the the problem I face, just figuring it out. And yeah, like you said, when I love the romance in my stories, but you know, as soon as they get together and everything's perfect, like, okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, no. So when it comes to like developing the story, so let's talk a little bit about world as well, right? Because that is something that has to also be tackled throughout the series so how do you go about your world building like once you get your you know your initial idea with your characters and all of that um how do you go about building that world and also making sure that that as well can you know stretch out and span throughout these books right assuming like they go on different adventures throughout different worlds like for some you know like fourth fantasy can be easy because they're just doing different quests in different parts of the world all the time so it's like oh new discoveries but um sometimes it may not be that easy so how do you go about doing that yeah um i feel that it's important for the characters to be actively discovering new information about that about their own world so their the world is much bigger than they know and that gives the reader somewhere to go and it gives the world a chance to develop too. So for example, in, in fantasy, it would be learning about elements to the magic system that they didn't know about or discovering a new part of the magic system or a new way that people that they've never met before use it or some, you know, so, so there's always somewhere new and somewhere to go. If I started with a very static situation where here is the magic and it doesn't change. The character just has to learn to use it. I find that harder to sustain, I think. So, so having them actively make new discoveries that are groundbreaking for that world, um, I think is a, is a useful trick for me. Um, I'm currently writing a spinoff for my five book Steel and Fire fantasy series. Um, and for that spinoff series, I'm introducing a new element to the, to the magic system that wasn't there before. And so they have a lot to discover as the individual characters, but the readers of the series also have a lot more to discover because they haven't, you know, they haven't learned that about that world either because I didn't know about it in the first, the first series. And how do you go, like, how deep do you go with your world building? Because I know some writers, they like to just, you know, just surface things is enough, right? Like, as, you know, the character can hint at some things or visit a few places, and that's perfectly fine. They don't get too detailed. They don't really describe, like, too much of where they are. They focus mainly on 
what the character is doing, what is progressing that scene, right? Whereas people like me, <laughs> I love a good detailed world. Like I love to be able to just sit there and completely visualize what it is I'm reading. So how deep do you go with it? And when do you think you reach a point where you're like, okay, it's becoming more about the world and less about the characters. So I need to like ring it in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way in that I, I love a detailed world. I, I'm a very visual person, so I can always see it, and I try and describe the world as vividly as I can. Um, I like I like like the fun, cool, like random little stuff that doesn't necessarily yeah. matter much, but it gives texture to the world. Like That's why I like reading fantasy. I like that sense of wonder. I like the cool, you know, magical bits. So I do try and put that kind of thing into my world. Um, so I, I feel it's important to have the texture. Uh, now what I don't do is I don't go and write a thousand years worth of history and like iron out exactly what the economy is in every single you know, iteration of the empire or something like that going back forever. So I, don't, I tr do try not to get so bogged down in the world building that the story gets lost entirely. Um, and I do think that actually in, in YA it's, useful because it does tend to zero in on only one or two characters, unlike the big, huge, sprawling epic fantasies, which I love to read, but sometimes do become more about the world, you know, for generations and generations, as opposed to the fun, you know, weird little thing that they make out of their magic that makes their life interesting and different in small ways. Um, so yeah, so I do, I do go a lot into the texture of the world, if not if not too deep into the, the history. Um, and I do think that's a very organic thing. So that's something that will often, ideas will often come to me as I'm typing out my rough draft, particularly when I'm writing a fast rough draft and I'll just say, oh, and I'm gonna throw that in there and I'm gonna throw that in there. And then I might go back and make them make sense or you know, eventually find something that I just made up off the top of my head and, and find a way to link it back to something later. Um, and I do think that's sort of the fun discovery process as well is that you can kind of, you can kind of trick yourself into coming up with really cool new ideas um, by seeing cool. little things that you don't do you, understand. Do you find that you put, are you intentional with like Easter eggs in your stories? Because I mean, you're writing series. So like, do you find that when you're going, especially like with the first, um, the first book, maybe the second one as well, do you find that you're like, okay, I mean, this, the series is going to span the X amount of books. So I want to put this here, this here, this here, or do you kind of just like let that develop as you write? Uh, I do put that stuff in, stuff that will not necessarily pay off right away in little hints. Sometimes I don't put it in until later drafts because I might not know exactly where it's going to go. And I think that's the great thing about being able to do so many drafts and spending time really developing is I can have done two drafts and then realized some big, huge twist that's going to happen in the middle of the second book. And then I can go back into an earlier part of the story and, and make it seem like I was very clever and just had, had thought of that you know, four months ago. Uh, so it does, I think I do, I, I do it, but I don't do it just automatically. I have to, have to work for it. Yeah, that's a lot of fun to kind of putting in things and then linking them together. I think that's one of the things that I really loved about reading different fantasy series. I love to read like the the first book and then get down to like the sixth book and be like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened or I see how this links together because like that, that kind of thing always got me really excited and that was a lot of fun. 
So yeah, so we've covered a lot today. Um, what would you, what advice would you have for writers who are kind of starting out and want to get into um, a career as an author? What advice would you have for them? Uh, if they're interested in a career as an author, it's definitely important not to lay all of your hopes on one book. Um, and I, like the somebody writing their first book will not believe this, they won't listen to it, it's okay, but I definitely didn't when I was writing my first book, but you really have to plan for, for multiple books before things really start taking off and before you really figure out what you're doing yourself as a writer. Um, for me, my tipping point, my, I suppose my point where I started um, being successful was six books in, you know, and if you have all of your hopes tied up in that first book, when it only take, when it takes six months to sell 200 copies, which it took my first book six months to sell 200 copies, then you can't let that let that get into you. You just have to see that as part of the process that you just need to have more books out there. It's just a small step-by-step -step process as you develop your, your readership. Um, and if you stick with it and are intentional about expecting it to take multiple books, that will help, I think, a lot. Um, but just on the writing side, I really think it's important to try not to edit yourself too much on the first drafts, on the rough drafts, and to just have fun. Um, this is why I'm definitely an, an advocate of the NaNoWriMo style, writing your rough draft as quickly as you possibly can, because you really, you discover a lot and you also can infuse your work with a lot of momentum um, that you won't necessarily have if you're agonizing over every single sentence. And it also makes it a lot easier to cut stuff that doesn't belong if you've written it quickly and have not perfected it before moving on uh, with the story. So yeah, those are the main things, but it's important to, to have fun and enjoy it because if you want this as a career, it's a long haul, you know, it's a long haul no matter what, unless you're very, very, very lucky. And you should just assume that you're not going to be the one who's very, very lucky. You should assume it's going to, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a couple books. Yeah, Sage I definitely advice. agree. Sage advice. <laughs> because it's true. Like, for about the you know authors hanging their hopes on the first book like I remember I published my first book and I thought it was going to do all of the things and it did not <laughs> so that was just a lesson I think every author goes through where they're like oh okay they were right should have planned got it <laughs> yeah and we, we would we would say out loud I'm sure everybody says out loud oh no I know it's not gonna but in your in your head you're thinking but but everyone's going to love it right away. And it's, gonna, it's, it's just going to be that one that takes off. And then when it doesn't, that can be, I was certainly disheartened. It took me a lot longer to get going than, than I hoped it would. Um, but it's okay. You know, it's okay in the end. That's just part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful having you on, Jordan. It's so great to hear uh, your sage advice and just how much fun you're having with your career as an author. And we'll definitely include links in the show notes where our listeners can find out more about you, dig into your series, just kind of whatever subgenre they want to dig into. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. Do you have any last words? Uh, I don't think so. Thank you very much for having me. Um, this has been really fun. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about our jobs, which are just so much fun. <laughs> The journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms doesn't have to be lonely or hard. We have an awesome community where we chat daily, write together, and motivate each other. 
to be part of this vibrant community of indie authors living their best bookish life on their own terms, go to indieauthorlifestyle.com forward slash inner circle for more information. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to hear more from you. Leaving a rating or review helps us to create more great content like this. Be sure to rate this episode and subscribe to the show. Thanks for listening to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. See you inside the community.